Do you want to use 2020 to tap into your intuition in business, crush your fears and play big? I know I do. And I happen to know that we both can. How do I know this? Well, I consulted with a psychic who told me that this was absolutely the case. I kid you not. And this is what this episode of the Untapped Podcast is all about. Hey, I'm Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, vlogger, and business coach dedicated to helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. Meet Willow Bradner. She's the accidental psychic and business medium. I love this lady. We had so much fun on this podcast because she has an incredible background, but is also a psychic with business acumen. And I think that's a really, really rare combination. And it's really helped her to see where a person is holding themselves back and feeling stuck and then being able to clear the blocks around that person while they can actually leap forward into what they should be doing. So Willow has some great insights and she shares them all in this interview. First off, she tells us exactly what a psychic business actually means. Then we talk about what do you believe intuition does for your business and how can entrepreneurs tap into their intuition to up-level their business? We go deep into this. We go deep into fear, imposter syndrome. It's awesome. And she just has some really great insights on this that I know you're going to love. We do talk about how fear grips us and holds us back. And where do people get paralyzed in business? So this is the episode to start off 2020, I think, in the best possible way. Last week, we heard from Natalie McNeil on the rituals that you want to step into your best life and business. This week, we're going to talk about how do you finally get past fear and blocks in both your business and life so you can truly have an amazing 2020 and beyond. And I think we should just dive on in. Super fantastic to have you on the Untapped show, Willow. Welcome. Thank you so much. I'm pumped to be here. Yeah, I am excited as well because I don't think I've ever met an accidental psychic and business medium. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's rare. <laughs> it is rare. And I love the combination as well because why can't, in essence, psychics also be business savvy? Uh, and maybe we'll dive into that a little bit more. And also, you know, if you can predict kind of where people are heading and you can intuitively understand where their energy is at, where they need to be shifting. Why can't that apply to both life, relationships, health, business, everything, the spectrum? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So do you just want to share a little bit of, I mean, how the heck did you end up here? Because it's just awesome journey. And I love telling unique stories and just showing people what is actually possible when you kind of look at what you do, love doing, what you're naturally good at, and then also what people will actually pay you for. So how did you end up as the accidental psychic and business medium, which is great branding, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. So the big thing is, is I was a, a very happy hairdresser. I was making a significant income. I owned my own salon. Things were really great in my life. I was not looking necessarily for anything else, but I noticed that I had a rather large group of people really calling me on weekends and showing up literally at my home and asking more questions than what the time allowed for us during the hair. And mm -hmm. somewhere inside of me, I just really assumed or thought that I was that smart. That's why people were coming in. <laughs> Sounds like a real narcissist uh, accident there, but it was my <laughs> wedding night actually that everything really took a shift after copious amounts of alcohol had been consumed and everybody had left the party. It was just my parents and my new husband 
And something took a shift in my body and my voice changed an octave. And it was actually my dad who recognized what was happening. And he looked across at me and he goes, oh my God, I think you are channeling my father. And as if that were permission enough, my husband's late mother, who I'd also not ever met, started trying to channel through as well. And that's when my sweet brand new spanking husband stood up and gave me that look that said, I did not sign up for girl who speaks to dead people. So (laughs) he ended up, right? He left for the night, but my parents and I stayed up and explored this idea that we were speaking to my grandfather and of course, woke up with hangovers and doubt the next day. But any time I put then alcohol to my lips after that, other people's dead people would then arrive. And like any good business owner would do, I was like, well, how do I capitalize on this? Mm. (laughs) And it took some time. I had to do, again, as a business owner, I'm an expert in hair. So I had to become an expert in intuition and psychic. So I hired world-renowned psychics and and entrepreneurs of their own right to train me in this modality so that I could better understand myself and the experience and know how to use it for good and for the highest good of other people. Yeah, I love it. Did it just happen with alcohol initially because it's such a, and well, it just releases your inhibitions. It allows you to tap in. Yeah. And I assume these days you don't need alcohol. Correct. So yes. So it's interesting. It was as as I call myself the accidental psychic, those people that were lining up around the block to ask questions and come to my house were all getting psychic intel. They were not getting the medium aspect of it. They weren't getting to speak to those on the other side, but they were getting the psychic piece. And the inhibition hadn't been there for that aspect. But the inhibition for me really was that I didn't think that I was either good enough at psychic and I imagined somehow that psychic was for certain special people such as James Von Prague or uh, Doreen Virtue or just to name a few of those peeps. I assumed that you had to be a really unique special person to be able to do this. And when the medium thing showed up, when those who had crossed over showed up, for me, that was proof that not only was I doing it, but that it was completely possible to do. Mm. Yeah, that's incredible. And I'd love to dive into that more. I do want to ask, if you don't mind sharing, what age were you when this happened? So I was 34, 35, 34. So unlike a lot of people, they'll say that they were in a car accident or they were born this way. Mm. I think we are all born this way. I just think few of us have our volume turned up to hear it. I'd actually love to agree with you on that because uh, about, well, six years ago, I went along to a tarot card and psychic festival in the it was the West Coast, I think, of Australia. And it was in a really cute little hippie town. And they were like, welcome, come into this hall. And everybody was in there, tarot card readers, psychics, healers, etc. And I went into a session that was starting literally five minutes after we wandered in, paid our $5 to get a cup of tea. And this lady was a psychic medium and amazing. And there were about 40 or 50 people in the room and she, and sorry, you just sparked this and I remember it because she called on just three people that she obviously had a message for. And I was one of those. And I was like, oh, this is, and I was just totally open to it, right? Like very open mm-hmm. person was a little bit like out of whack, but we just pulled in on our road trip and, and found this festival. And it, I just remember what, yeah, she was just, she knew stuff about me that, you know, she hadn't even spoken to me um, and it was bang on and incredible. And I was like, what a gift. And then I went and sat down with, I think it was a tarot card reader after that. And they sort of essentially said something similar to what you said, is that this is actually 
available to more of us than we realize that if we are actually tapping into our gifts but also listening just being far more intuitive and really allowing those other aspects of this world to speak to us it's available to more of us than possible I guess was the thing not that I feel everybody could just do what you do for sure that is something that is a very special gift well and I wouldn't say that that uh no one could do I don't think anybody would want to do what I do <laughs> right talk to dead people not a choice most people then make like yeah. why on that day I decided that this was going to be the thing I can explain later but a lot of people have the ability and either turn it off or decide that it's wonky or decide that they'll you know use it when appropriate or otherwise but mm-hmm. yeah I think everybody has this gift but I think there are old fears old myths old information about it that kind of prevents a lot of people from going for it. Yeah, let's speak to that because so here you are at sort of 34, 35, you've been a really successful hairdresser with your own store, all these people tapping on your door, wanting further conversations to go deeper. And suddenly you're like, holy crap, how do I use this? And and also, as you said, how do I make money from this? Because if this is something that I have and it's something that people want and really value, hugely valuable for people who who believe and want to access those people that they love and are no longer with them. How did you sort of marry the fact, make that shift actually in your own head? And the second follow-up question would be around the, I guess, the stigma or the Mm -hmm. uh, judgment that we talked about before we jumped on this call around when you say the word psychic, just how some people react. Yeah. For one, it started out just practicing. So the hair thing stuck around for a solid like five years after. Okay. And so I would just do hair and psychic both. And it was like, <laughs> I would do one hair client and one psychic client and one hair client and one psychic. And I could, I, because of, if you've ever met a hairdresser, we see anywhere from seven to 10 people a day yeah. on average. And so our energy is really capable of holding and containing and holding space. So I can really easily bounce energetically between both. But here's the thing that sort of was the twist of fate that I had was I had just discovered I was psychic. Um, I put it back in the closet. I hid it away. I then had a child and this woman ends up in my backyard. And some of you may have heard of her. Some of you may have not. Her name's Amy Purdy. Amy Purdy, after being in my backyard, goes on to become a Paralympic meddling athlete in snowboarding. One of the first women snowboarders to have both of her legs having been amputated. She had bacterial meningitis at the age of 19 years old and then goes on to become an Olympic snowboarder. She then later dances on Dancing with the Stars. So this woman's in my backyard. Yeah, I have heard of her. She is amazing. I've watched videos, just incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So Amy Purdy ends up in my backyard and I'm at this moment in time, again, a happy hairdresser, but she says something so profound to me that it fucked with me from that day forward and still fucks (laughs) with me. And that was that she is often asked on her trail of speaking engagements and television appearances, what it's like or how she feels about being more or less handicapped early on in her life. And she said to me in my backyard, I meet more able-bodied people who are actually handicapped than I'll ever be. And and it just struck my gut and it strikes my heart to this day, every day. So my pursuit at being a psychic wasn't about being a psychic. It's always been about, we can be and do anything we want if we're not afraid of it. And it's the fear that's crippling. It's the fear that makes us handicap. And so what we do with that fear is really the game that we're all playing here. 
Yeah, that is such a profound statement to make. And I'm so glad, you know, she obviously knew she was delivering it at a time where you really need to hear it and you were open to hearing it. And so true, right? Like how many of us shy away because we don't think we're capable. And yet then you see somebody like Amy who has, she probably doesn't even think she has a disadvantage, but to others looks like she does and is waking, Mm -hmm. making way more of her life than so many people out there in the world. She just does not let it stop her. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So awesome. I love that as well that you would, I've often thought that hairdressers are incredible counselors because they, as you said, they hold a lot of energy for people all day. They're on their feet all day and they're hearing everybody's woes and relationships and fun news and stories, but essentially they're just great at pulling stories out of you and essentially being great listeners as well. So it feels like a really good transition, but I also like that you took sort of five years to transition. Are you now a full-time psychic and business medium? Yes, I am full-time. Yes. And the business medium is more like it's, it has the twist of psychic, but it has the aspect of coach as well with it. Mm. So you get that really grounded effort where I think that's the other mystification of psychic is that somehow we're living in the clouds and we, you know, chant and hold crystal balls and speak to the other side all the time. And for me, because I had the entrepreneurial background and because I'd been so successful as an entrepreneur and having then also had, I don't know, it's roughly 3,700 conversations with people over the course of my 20 year hair career and adding all of that up and seeing people's careers and the directions that they took them and the directions they didn't take them gave me a really clear pathway to be able to advise, I guess would be the right word in business and, uh, in careers, because I can see energetically where we're blocked and I can see very clearly where we're holding ourselves back. So it's given me a really uh, unique perspective to then work off of and a really grounded experience for the people who work with me. I can imagine that. And when you do, I'm assuming you do coaching with your clients, do you just take it as it comes for what you're seeing intuitively for them. So they may come to you and they, you want to talk about this today, but you actually will sometimes jump in and say, okay, I just need to unblock this for you or clear this, or this is what I'm sensing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's really I, mean, unique. Every, I love that. It's super, <laughs> it's super. Well, it was interesting. Like one of my favorite stories is I, I was in this business group and I was just, I wanted to test out the medium aspect because the psychic aspects one where I can see and validate, sometimes I can future cast and in a way it just depends if the road's really clear and laid out. And by that, I mean, there are three doorways, guys. Life is a choose your own ending novel. No psychic can tell you where you're going to end up. You still have choice and free will. But, <laughs> yes, but so the psychic in business is really unique because it's like, here's where to market. Here's the avenue where your clients are hanging out. Here's where you're not looking. So there's that marketing piece. But what I was curious about was the mediumship. Because I have this unique ability to also speak to those who have crossed over, how could I use that for business? So I offered to this business group free medium readings, but it had to be consistent with their business if they thought somebody on the other side could help them with their business. And one of the gals that called in wanted to know why she was so afraid to be seen and be visible in her business. Like what was she so afraid of? And her grandmother pops in just right away, pushes right through. And her grandmother (laughs) was, was a survivor of the Holocaust. So I want to land that there because here's this young woman sitting in front of me, beautiful young woman who wants to be a numerologist, who wants to be visible in her career and is afraid And she asks the one woman who has lived through 
actual physical fear, the greatest atrocity on humankind this woman had lived through. She had seen human beings getting, you know, murdered in front of her just for sake of being Jewish. And that's who she wants to know why she's afraid to be visible from. That's who she's asking for. And her grandmother comes in so loudly and clearly at that moment and says, it's not your fear. And grandma went on to say, it's the fear that so many of us are experiencing. Yes, there's pieces of us that this experience is our fear and relates to us. But the majority of the actual fear we're experiencing belongs to the women who came before us. The women who fought, died, blood, sweat, and tears for our right, right now in the world at this moment to get the opportunity to choose what we want to be and do when we grow up. Mm, I love that. So true. How often are we living with, as you said, other people's fears or taking it on as if it's our own because that's what we've seen and witnessed versus actually saying, wow, you've given me this incredible path to be able to blaze new trails and go out fearlessly into the world and totally be on purpose and live up to, you know, what you want to do and achieve. Yeah. Yeah. So on that note, why do you believe that fear grips us and holds us back outside of that? And that makes a lot of sense to me, but internally for somebody who is putting themselves out there more in business, I get this a lot. So many of my clients are fearful of doing um, live videos, podcasts, speaking at events, even just turning up and showing up and making an ask of their community, of friends, of their peers, even posting on social media can be pretty scary for some people. Um, and that that's a visibility piece, but I do often believe yeah. that it sometimes comes back to sometimes a self-worth piece mm-hmm. and this fear of the unknown because they haven't actually done it yet. So they're already fearing something, even though they've never done it. I'd just love to hear your thoughts on all these conversations you must have and unique insight that you have. Most of us are being held hostage by our one to eight year old self. And I'll repeat that. Most of us are being held hostage by our one to eight year old self. So that is where fear was formatted between the ages of one and eight. And so even if you were not actually traumatized, even if your life was spectacular, there were moments in your life, especially if we're talking about visibility, where you were told to shush, where you were told to calm down, where you were told to go to your room, where you were told to be quiet. And they were oftentimes when your spirit was fully out. You were singing at the top of your lungs, spinning around in the living room. You were jumping up and down. You were sliding on the wood floors. You were doing something so carefree and so thoughtless to the point of you were, you were just in your full spirit and somebody yelled. Somebody said, don't do it. Somebody said, go away. Somebody said, put yourself away, calm down and, and really pack your light away. And so here we are as adults and our curiosity is always, what if I'm not good enough? What if they see me and they don't like me? What if they come out and they criticize me? What if, what if, what if? And all those what ifs are built into the system of when we were little and we were told to pack it away. Mm, Powerful and so true. Actually, I'm really grateful that as a young kid, I was constantly videoing things, doing plays and schemes and I don't feel like often I got told to sure she'll be quiet. For sure, I can remember those moments, usually when I was being way too loud. But I think that's allowed me to not have a fear, really, yeah. of being out there and on camera. And also, just from a young age doing that and continuing it on, it, it comes pretty naturally now. Yeah. Whereas for people who have never 
done that and there were definitely fearful moments back then but you kind of get over it when you're a kid you just you're a bit of a goofball and you put yourself out there yeah for definitely for people who have experienced that between one and eight and even beyond I can see Mm -hmm. why it really gets scary now so how do you advise your clients when they even if you're telling them that and they realize that they still have to move past it right so what are some tips that you do work through with them so that they move out of their own way Oftentimes we're, again, between the being hostage from a one to eight year old, we're being also held hostage by our manufactured now ego. And the ego is a great thing, right? It's, it does our to-do lists, it cleans the house, it pays the bills, but it also, it's also criticizing and telling us what not to do and what we should do and what we're supposed to do and why everything's so scary. So in order to quiet that voice, I always like to just say, you need to throw yourself a dance party. (laughs) Get your heart rate way up, breathe, like just get dancing so hard that you're actually breathing. And then you can sit down and either meditate or you can sit down and realize that it's not so fucking scary after all. But as long as you're not breathing, as long as you're tight, butt, not breathing, holding all the energy in and the fear right there is in front of you, and you're not willing to make a small ass out of yourself for three minutes and 46 seconds of any good song. (laughs) then you're right. You're going to get stuck here. But if you can just dance it out and get your heart rate out, the ego won't have room to exist. You basically stuff that bastard out. Yeah. I love it. Uh, That must be why I love dancing so much and getting off that way because it just, it does bring back that childlike spirit um, and just that pure sense of unadulterated fun and joy, movie body. And if you're not into dancing, there's just the movement, the power of movement is incredible. Whether you do some yoga or you do some really deep breath work, or you just, you know, do some cartwheels, whatever it may be. Really, but I'll really say powerful. too, if you don't like dancing, let's ask why. Mm. I would like to I would yeah. like to take it a step further and ask why. Because again, if visibility is one of your fears or if putting yourself out there is so scary and you don't like dance, let's just talk about that because that's also just really fear of your facility. Your body is the rental car for your soul and your spirit. But if your spirit is being locked up and not allowed to move, then you also aren't allowed to move. So even if it feels scary, and even if you think you're a sucky dancer, close the door, pull the blinds, rock out to something you love. No one has to see you do it. But the sooner you move, the sooner you're going to get in your spirit. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, 100% agree. Or not that I instigate much for drinking, but, you know, have a few drinks and loosen up and just go for it. Releases those inhibitions and suddenly you are the dancing queen. Um, Awesome. No, I love it. Very, very true. And then I guess the next question for me is how do we as entrepreneurs better use our intuition to guide us in important decisions? Because I know that for women in particular, that is something we talk about a lot. I listen to my gut. I use my intuition. For men, it's less common. And I've seen research around that. But I also know when I talk about it a lot, I'll say, oh, my gut told me this or intuitively I want to do this. And when I listen to that, 100%, I always get an amazing outcome. And when I resist it or use logic or my brain and defer to that, it's never as good. So how do you suggest that we all tap into that intuition more? Because I think it's incredible. It is. So, uh, you know, it's just like everything. And I just want to say this to all the listeners, your intuition's a muscle. So when it hasn't been used a lot or trusted ever, it's really hard to get clarity on how it works for you. 
So number one, what I want to say is that it's really necessary to start practicing your intuition and you can start simply, I always use food as the example because it's a really easy one to feel in your body. So when you wake up in the morning, start visualizing what it is that you might be hungry for, see what feels good in your body, see if you can test with your body, just seeing how like say eggs or a cinnamon roll might feel in your body. Begin to notice how those things feel so you can start trusting it. One of the questions we don't ask ourselves often is what do you want? So begin asking that question every day and waiting for your intuition to guide you to the answer of what do you want? So again, food's an easy one for that. But here's what I want to show you in business and where we are not using our intuition and where we are using our intuition. The day you started your business, the aha moment when you woke up and you said, I think I'm going to do blank. That was intuitive. Then you accidentally hand it off to the ego and you start the minutia of details that go with business right off to the ego. And once the ego's got a stronghold on you, then fear enters in because as soon as ego's there, fear exists. And again, you want ego there to pay the bills and to do the minutia aspects. But what you don't want is fear or ego buying online courses or buying things you don't need for your business. You have got to really lean into your intuition and ask yourself, what is it that I want? What is it that my business needs? And wait for it. Intuition is a bit more like dial up, not Wi-Fi. So sometimes <laughs> we have to wait for it to connect and not just go, well, if I don't get an answer in the next 10 minutes, I'm going to do something really dumb here and say yes to something that costs a bunch of money. Like wait for it, uncork it, and then wait for it to actually waft out of you. And I have to say sometimes in intuition, it does feel it takes a month. Sometimes it takes a week. Sometimes it takes that minute. It just vacillates and depends on the greatness and the effect of what you're asking for as well. Yeah, I love that. I love the old uh, dial-up. My gosh, yeah. I think we need to have a sound effect in here just for that. <laughs> but you're right. We're so used to the instantaneous gratification of instant decisions, the buy now, the click now, the make the choice, that we often just don't give ourselves enough space and a little bit more time for it to reveal itself in all its glory. And I'm a huge firm believer of just trusting your intuition. And the first possible answer that usually comes into your head is almost always the best that I've seen. It's the same for, I remember way back when I was doing exams in school and university, especially mm -hmm. on multi-choice, the first yeah. answer was almost the one that you intuitively picked if you didn't know, like if you really were like, oh, what are you? Yeah. the one that you intuitively picked. And whenever I went back and tried to change something and be clever, I inevitably chose wrong. So it the was a really good guess lesson. is always the wrong guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so quit second guessing yourself and go with your gut instinct. Love it. Yeah. Um, but again, I'll say the gut instinct with intuition, as you know, as I'm sure you've experienced as well, isn't always the easy one. Mm, no, it's not. It's sometimes the one that's going to stretch you and challenge you yeah. and put you out there and feel difficult and be hard work. But yeah. boy, the benefits are going to be amazing because yeah. whatever was worth doing that was just super easy. I mean, I think right. the flip side of that, though, is once you get good at something, once you tap into your intuition more, once you get in flow and know what you do really well, things do become easy. And then I yeah. see people going, oh, this is too easy. I've got to make it harder. I, I must be doing something wrong. And, and then I'm like, no, you've actually just found your flow 
and you're intuitively really aligned, you've got great energy and it should come easy once you've tapped into that. But that's because yes. you've done the work beforehand, right? Right, right. Yeah. So what's another paralysis that you truly believe exists in entrepreneurs when it comes to their business? Not going big enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that and unpack that. Yeah. 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 I mean, here's the thing. I think there, I think you have to, again, it goes back to your intuition. You have to ask yourself what you want. You have to know what is true for you. So if solopreneurship is true for you and that one-to-one experience is a fit for you, then that's great. And that's exactly where you should be. But what I notice is that even in that, there's generally a book sitting in somebody. There's generally a speaking experience sitting in somebody. There's generally a product behind whatever it is they're talking about every day. And those are the pieces that I feel are most untapped is the creative juice and energy and the willingness to potentially try something that is outside of the comfort zone to grow and manufacture the business. Why do you believe that is? What part? <laughs> well, the bits that are untapped. I'm so glad you used that word. Great word, by the way. Um, great podcast. Oh, yeah. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> because I think, you know, I have a lot of ideas in any given day, but I will actually act on a lot of them. And that's because I think over time, I've just trained myself to take action. It's actually my default mode. And I know that if I jump on something while it's hot, while I'm motivated, while I'm energized, I will actually see it through. Or I'll right. decide partway through that that was great, but actually, no, it's not aligned. Whereas most people won't even get to that point and they'll dismiss it before they've even begun. Now, is that again, a little bit like the muscle that we need to exercise? Okay. It is a muscle, but it's also like the easiest path is that of resistance. The easiest path is that of avoidance in our minds, in our minds, doing less is seemingly more. And so what I really notice for people is that like, okay, let me give this example right now in the world. One of the most favorite things that everybody's talking about is like astrology and it's the human design, human design is like really up in the world and it gives you a number and then it explains who you are and everybody's into it. I read it like for two minutes and I went, Oh great. Another reason people aren't going to live up to their highest potential Because what we do is we attach to the lowest degree, the lowest act of responsibility. Not everybody. You clearly are living up to what you can do, Natalie, but many of us are looking for excuses not to. And I'll give an example from the human design. One of the girls in this group that I was leading said, well, my human design says that I have to wait for an invitation. I don't have to be a business owner. And actually, I probably shouldn't be a business owner. And I laughed out loud and I was like, so you're going to let some number in a book that some dude wrote decide your fate and future because it's less comfortable to have to go for it, to have to forage through something that is really uncomfortable. You were looking for an excuse not to go for it. So that's why we have untapped books. That's why we aren't really living up to the experience. That's why we're not hiring people who can do exactly what we know how to do. One of my favorite things is I have a beautiful housekeeper whom I love. And I've said to her a thousand times, why do you not hire other people to do this and manage it from the side? You could be making more money and having more free time and just enjoying your life a bit more. And she's like, well, no one is ever going to do it as well as I do. Mm-hmm. Very common statement. I believe I made it myself. Right. Super yeah. big excuse. Super big. You can build any brand in the world to look like you, to act in your culture, to be in your integrity. 
if you are strong enough in your resolution for the thing that you want to make. So nothing is literally holding us back but ourselves. 100% true. And for the things that you love doing and enjoy doing, I wholeheartedly advocate for continuing to do them so long as they light you up, they're your zone of genius, and you just enjoy doing them. Um, But I agree, there's people who can write copy in your voice. They can write books as if they are you. They can email people with the same integrity and trust and love for your community as you can. There's, yeah, just so many ways in which you can expand beyond yourself. And I think in order to share your gifts in the best possible way and grow and build an amazing business, you're going to have to scale. And that means you need to let go and bring other people in who are willing to step up with you. Yes. Yeah, totally. So what does stepping up look like for you in 2020? Talking about playing big and going bigger. Yeah. And I'm saying it out loud and I'm so excited to say it out loud. <laughs> and I just goosebump just all over and getting to say it out loud. So I am not going to lie to y'all. I too have been, and these are my words, so forgive the crassity of it all, but I have been pussyfooting around and I have been playing small myself. And it's something that I'm super hyper aware of. I like to pretend that I'm an introvert and I like to pretend that I don't have to leave my house to get shit done. But speaking and writing is my forte. It's the thing that I love most. Entertaining and being around humans is my everything. And it's the one thing I haven't been doing is really applying for speaking gigs because of the old psychic word. And I'm just not letting it be an excuse and I'm not letting anybody else use it as an excuse or a criticism. So this year I will be hitting the stage and I will be hitting the speaking circuit. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh, imagine even some live channeling right there on the stage for people. Oh my God, it's amazing. Yes, well, and I do big group readings all the time. I just haven't done it in a corporate setting, which is the Mm. actual goal. I think it it could absolutely be pretty game-changing for them and something that is very refreshing and needed. Yeah, yes. Google, I'm coming for you. I love it, awesome. So in which ways can we support you contact you. Where can people find out more about Willow? Well, let me just say that I have support for all of you. If this has been super intriguing and you want to learn more about your intuition, please visit willowbradner.com as I have a one hour masterclass that is free for you Mm. to learn how to and activate your intuition. So you'll learn what your specific intuition markers are as well as get activated within the masterclass so that you can walk out of that and start really testing out your system right away. So willowbradner.com is a really great place to start if you want to get to know me. And then of course, you're always welcome to book one-to-one readings or anything else that you want to with me. Awesome. And thank you so much for your time, busting through a lot of these myths. And I think this is a great start to 2020 to just put aside fear, listen to our intuition, tap into a little bit more of our cycle medium and really listening and tuning into what we want. And I love that question to ask yourself every morning, what do I want today in any respect? It's so powerful. In any respect. So good. What do I have to do today? But what do I want today? Yeah. I love it. Thank you for that. In the combo for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. I really hope you enjoyed this episode with Willow. She is delightful, she is lovely, and she certainly gave me some different aspects and angles to think about when it comes to fear and mindset and trusting your intuition and trusting your business acumen. So if you've got some great nuggets from this, can you please, please, please 
tag me on Instagram at Natalie Sisson or Twitter and just let me know what your one takeaway was from this interview with Willow. Even better, while you're here on your mobile device, if you can hit subscribe, that means you'll get fresh episodes delivered every week. And I have some fantastic guests coming up on this podcast. My big aim in 2020, if I'm trusting my intuition and pushing aside my fears, is I want to get this podcast up to 20,000 episode downloads a month. Right now, we are coming up to around eight or nine. So I have big plans for this podcast this year. Beautiful guests coming on. So much insight and wisdom. And I want you to be here for every step of the way. Obviously, you can come across and get show notes for any of the podcasts that you have listened to or are coming up at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. That is the place to be. You can see all the previous episodes and we do detailed show notes for every single episode with links to these wonderful people that I'm interviewing. So please do check it out. And if you want to tap into your potential in 2020 and get paid to be you, go ahead and grab my free audiobook and guide on nine steps to get paid to be you. You can find that at nataliesisson.com on the homepage. Easy as and it's free. Thank you for listening and don't forget to tap into your potential.